Good morning and welcome to your daily game face. I'm Dr. Kim Lannon and I'm here with Lou the fix-it of technical difficulty problem <laughs> blossy. It's not even that. It's just uh, the universe being the universe. The uni it's the universe. It's yeah. not even like a full moon, is it? I don't even know. Yeah. No. No. Okay. Mercury might be retrograde though. <laughs> it's well if it's nothing else, it's Mercury's in <laughs> retrograde. Always. Even if it's not, it is. So good morning. I just flew in. <laughs> yeah, you had your issues this morning, too. I did. I flew in and realized at midnight last night, I have no gas in my car. Oh, so good. I just made it home from the airport on seven miles of fumes this morning. I was like, oh, I'm going to be late wow. because I have to stop because I wouldn't make it to the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Hence, I texted Lou and said, was, Lou, I'm going to be late. What? There was no place to stop on the way home from the airport? We tried. Yeah. It was all closed. Really? Yes. All of Route 1? I, I imagine I we're talking up, well, Logan. I don't, up, I don't come up Route 1, so okay. I have to come up 93. And then, oh, okay, yeah. But, yeah, we tried several places, and no. It wow. was, and it was right before midnight, too, and it was still closed. I was surprised. I thought for sure that mobile station on It's like morning. it's 1983 again. <laughs> or 82. <laughs> <laughs> or 84. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, it was very weird. So I had my technical difficulties. But, alas, yours were worse than mine, and here we are. No, it, 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 there are things... See, you know, you see all the technology in I here, do. right? Yes. The problem this morning is that on one of my laptops, a particular browser won't open. I mean, I click it and nothing happens. And there's no reason for that to happen in 2021. Did you reboot? Several times, yes. Okay. Of course. Well, hopefully we're, hopefully people can hear us. Hopefully people can see me. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I believe we're going out. Good, good. Well, if anyone's out there... <laughs> If anyone's out there, make contact and let us know. That's right. Um, so anyway, so I just flew in. I was in Florida. I did a little THBing and horseying around. Mm -hmm. And speaking of THB, if people are new listeners, the THB stands for the Human Baton, and thehumanbaton.com, which Lou will be putting up somewhere in the top right now. Oh, it's up. Good. Mm -hmm. um, you can go to thehumanbaton.com, and that's where you can register to be part of the Human Baton upcoming socially distanced athlete competition challenges. And there it is. If you're watching, it's on screen right oh, now. See, that particular th page just came up right as you said it, almost as if we planned it. Wow. Yeah. That's <laughs> not that amazing how that <laughs> happened. Wow. Um, it's, it's good produ production. Thank you, Lou. <laughs> I'd like to take credit for that. It's <laughs> amazing. Um, yeah. So anyway, if you would like to become part of the Human Baton, this is a great way. We're launching this competition. It's six weeks of competition. It starts June 21st. You get to see yours truly, moi, mm -hmm. and um, Eric Placco, and a whole bunch of other people that are doing the um, training um, um performances to be able to tell you what you're going to be performing and competing um, in and there's obviously six weeks so six different challenges they all stack up and accumulate points over the time you can either register as an advanced or an intermediate and you can I can't tell you what the challenges are but yeah. um, you know if you feel like you're really advanced you can sign up for that and go with that. But once you're signed up for one track, you stay in that track the whole time. You can't switch back and forth. Um, and the best part is you get to win leveling up points. So you mm -hmm. get to level up and be top of the leaderboard or you get to move up and compete against yourself, which is part of this whole thing is to be able to better yourself here in the year of the pandemic. Yep. <laughs> it's going to be a song. So right? this is kind of a crowdsource competition. Well, 
Well, it's an interesting way of looking at it. It's yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a I call it a, a, a networking competition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. so it's you're competing against yourself. That's the first and foremost. You're also then getting inspired and motivated by other people that you see and go, oh, I want to do that, or yeah. oh, I can do that better, or what you know, like competitions are, or people that have never done it before starting out just at the intermediate level. It doesn't you don't have to be perfect. That's what I keep telling all the athletes I talk to is you don't have to be perfect. Doesn't have to look beautiful. You just have to do it and see if it can get you on the board, which everybody's going to get on the board because someone's going to be on there everywhere. So, yeah. you know, um, and then week to week one week it might be a you know maybe it's it's okay so it's 60 seconds for each challenge as many of the skill that we give you in the 60 seconds oh i see if it's done correctly so say it's a push-up right yep. and you, the push-up has the um parameters that you have to start in playing position you go down to the floor touch your nose come back who knows right yep. this is not a competition but i'm making it up as we go and you miss out of the minute, you miss five of the 25 that you do by not touching your nose. Those five won't count. Oh. So you get the 20, and those count to the points that you get, right? So it's Are the people to be... reviewing these videos? Yes. The oh, governing wow. board, the athletic governing board, um, is, is reviewing all tapes. So every time, once you sign up, you'll get the link. And when you get the link for this week's challenge coming up in the 21st, You'll get the guidelines of what the the competition is. Mm -hmm. You'll get a video that shows you the correct form and the guidelines to our standards. And then you have that week to take to video yourself in the exact way we've given you and post it back up where the governing board yep. will review it. And then that's how the leaderboard starts. And then, um, you know, so if you, if you do a, a minute and you get... 50 of whatever it is and they're all great they all count right yep. and then that accumulates the points so then at the end of it you get cash prizes um swag as i've said before and you know my big incentive is i mean cash and prizes are great whatever but it's you know this is a great way to get people back into um connecting with others because yep. you're getting to see people all over the world doing this but also it's a great great way of seeing like other things that other people are doing to be able to do it yourself and you haven't been able to do it or you don't have these kinds of things accessing because people aren't really full back into competitions i mean we have races just starting back up in massachusetts and in little mud runs and all that stuff i just saw some posted but this is a great way to just be active competing having fun winning um or placing or just doing like hey i did you know, say at the beginning of the week, I start doing my push-ups, and that's the challenge, and I could only do five, and then I taped it, and then I wanted to submit it, but then four days later, because I've been practicing them every day, I'm now at 22, Yeah. So, so it's really cool, because you can see how you're progressing over time, and then that week challenge ends, and then you get the next one, and you go forward, so I think it's so many different um, aspects that are exciting, um, challenging, and uh, frustrating, I'm sure, for some people, because <laughs> I've had some frustrations, even myself, doing some of these yeah. things. Um, and so it will be fun. And, and, and I say that very lackluster all of a sudden. It was like, it will be fun. It will be fun, it because be I'm fun. thinking about what I was <laughs> videotaping of myself <laughs> going, oh, it'll be fun. <laughs> See? This is like, Ugh. Yeah. So, so Lou, are you going to join? Join? I don't, uh, not in my plans. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Lou. <laughs> No? All right, no. fine. I don't need another source of frustration in my life right now. Oh, be helpful. I'll help yeah. you. I'll, like, push you along and clap. So so any, so, so other than Lou, who's not going to do it because he doesn't want another source of frustration in his life, yeah. don't be like Lou. <laughs> well, I used to be a decent athlete, and I don't know what I am right now. <laughs> I, I understand that. But yeah. don't be like Lou and say, I used to be. Yeah. Say, 
I am going to go out and try and do. Because, you know, what can you have to lose? Nothing. That's right. There's nothing to lose. It's free. It's free. Did you hear me? It's free. So go to thehumanbaton.com and sign up and you will be ready and raring to go. I'll get in and give it a chance and we'll see. Yeah. Why don't you just sign up? Yeah. I mean, you're you're an athlete. It's not like, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, you can do a push-up. You can probably do some sit-ups. You can do some pull-ups. You know, you might be able to... You know, do something. I need to do something, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so if anyone has any questions, certainly you know where to reach me on any of the lovely information pieces on your screen. And if you don't see them, so you have my phone number there, you have my email address, you can go to my website, you certainly can just go to thehumanbaton.com and they are happy from the admin side to send you as much information as you're looking for, as I would believe. And there it is again. And uh, if you look on your screens right now, you can sign up. And please, it's for um, all ages. You don't have to be a certain age at this point you don't have to be um well i mean seven year old no but i mean you know like reasonable like (laughs) you know 14 13 15 you know and up um and then uh we are um we are very excited to have you come on board and build the community and this is a great way to launch us and it'll be fun Mm -hmm. again it'll be fun yes now moving along and you'll be able to see some videos and things like that yes well i will once we get up and running i'll I'll send you some videos of what we say. Yeah, people competing. Off the, off the, you'll be able to see them on the website. So um, so now moving along. So there's going to be a guy who's going to sit there and look at all these videos and see if you touch your, touch your nose to the floor. There's going to be multiple. So the governing yeah. body is multiple people on the on the governing body of who gets to look, who gets to see. And then they collectively make sure that everyone's doing the right thing. So that there's no, you know, that's why it's... You have to, you have to film it horizontally. It has to be at a certain right. distance. You have to have an angle. We have to see, you know. So it's everybody's got the same. It's really you got to video it like you're shown it. So when we give you the video to show you how to do it, you have to do it like that so we can actually right. see all aspects of angle, uh, body parts touching. If there's any breaks in form and all that stuff, so that it counts. So um, it's pretty. It's pretty basic and forward if you, you know, it's not like some weird fragmented thing when you're looking at someone, oh, that counts, that doesn't. This is yep. pretty clear. Um, there's nothing like over the top, you know, you know, it's like if you do a burpee, it's a burpee. Yep. I mean, it's clear, you know, if you miss the jump or if you miss going down to the floor, yeah, <laughs> that kind of thing, it doesn't count. Yep. Or if you stop and then, you know, fall. That, <laughs> that so too. all you gym rats taking selfies in the mirror. Yes. Put the camera down and, and well, well it use will the turn camera to do side, these challenges. Turn on video yep. and yes, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So I am. I'm actually going to post it today at my gym mm. to see if people will like jump on board because I have a ton of athletes. Even though, so I do belong to, you know, the place that has no judgment. However, <laughs> I didn't say it. I didn't plug it. Why? But Why I not? didn't. I didn't plug it because I don't want to plug it. But you know, occasionally the lunk meter rings in the gym because there really? is there is the person or two or ten in the evening hours that is doing the posing in the mirror more than they're doing the lifting of the weights. I haven't heard a lunk meter and I can't oh, remember yeah, the last off. time it's, I heard it, a lunk it, Every meter. time it goes off, it scares me because I'm on the treadmill or I'm on something and it makes me jump and I almost fall off. Yeah. <laughs> Even with my headphones on. I don't think there are any lunks in Newburyport. I think that's the issue. <laughs> well, there's other things in Newburyport. Yeah, it's true. 
lungs may not be one of them, but there are other things. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, so it's exciting. So I'll keep you posted because we're two weeks out. And so next week is a week out. And then and then we're game on. So come on, everyone, bring your game faces. Just like my company name, bring your game right. faces. Let's go. Let's go. Be tough. Let's go. So it'll be fun. <laughs> I, like um, it. I can't wait to see you do this. Come on, just a little bit. <laughs> God, you're no fun. <laughs> Come on, we'll go outside in the parking lot, set up like a little thing. I get that a lot. Oh, yeah, we'll do it in the parking lot. That'll be great. Yeah. We'll do it so the whole studio can see. <laughs> They'll be like, what is Kim doing with Lou? Yeah. <laughs> see, now, oh, see, now this is going to be fantastic. I have an idea. So, so all, all the guys out in, you know, California right now listening, um, you know, Steve and Brett and Phil and everybody, yeah. um, wait till you see what I'm going to get Lou to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, you want a 60 year old to collapse during oh, one of the videos stop. you're not old yeah. <laughs> speaking of mm -hmm. so so you know my husband he he actually i he has a meniscus tear that is what that is so oh. so it's lovely so his knee blew up after he played tennis briefly and that was the end of that <laughs> so now we're on that path so you know being 60 and all yeah so yes it it's weird because I have some knee issues of my own all of a sudden right now, too. Is he going to get it surgically fixed? Probably. Well, because you, it takes an act of Congress these days to get an MRI. And so he's on the wait list to get the MRI so that they have the exacts on it so that they can go in and fix it. But in the meantime, it looks like from his... Through the VA? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why I asked. <laughs> wait. No, <laughs> that was, that was, an, that was <laughs> exactly why I asked. <laughs> that was not supposed to come out like that. <laughs> Can we rewind that? That'd be no. Yeah. So the MRI was, it's just that there's a lot of people. Like, yeah. And so, and they're, and it's amazing because they're open almost 24 hours a day. So it's some weird hour. It's like eight o'clock at night, even when it's scheduled right now for like three weeks from now. And I said, keep calling because someone will cancel. Someone yeah. won't show. So right down the street but yeah they have you know they have to do they've had the ultrasound and the cat scan all the other x-rays and everything and so funny because the x-ray person said oh there's nothing wrong with this and i was looking at it you know two months ago saying you tore that and yeah he, and then finally they said oh you tore this and it was a totally different person doing the ultrasound said absolutely you tore it so he's got this swell from like half cap all the way up that's like the size of a basketball oh, i mean i'm not laughing but i am you know how we you know how women we are we take <laughs> pride and giggling about men being in pain sometimes yeah well yes <laughs> plus i'm guessing john takes it very stoically as an ex-marine <laughs> well there's another inappropriate lab <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. Yeah, i got he, the answer to that we'll, question we'll, we'll call it stoic yes he does he's i mean i have to say that for the amount of the size of this knee and the surrounding area and the amount of time he has waited to get assistance with it, yes, it's been he's been very stoic with it yeah. because I would I would not have let it go. I I'm not saying anything about him, but I wouldn't have let it go this long because I would be like I'm not doing this, <laughs> I'm not doing this because it's just painful. So anyway, I don't know how we got off on that tangent. Oh, because it's, it's the women men thing. It's like when I was when I was playing, I had torn a hamstring. And See, I, I start laughing because yeah, yeah, I exactly. visualized it. And I didn't know what my leg looked like behind it. I thought it was just I pulled a hamstring. I thought I just had a pull. Yeah. And it was a particularly bad one. And that, my girlfriend was walking behind me, and she almost spit up. She was like, we have to go to the hospital. Said, what are you talking about? And the back of my leg from my butt down to the crease of my knee was 
that ki- that kind of bruise that's like yeah. all ten different colors. Yeah. You know, blue and yellow and black and yep. it's like it's just a pulled hamstring. Did you have it reattached? No, it's no. No. Oh. No. Well, there we go. I don't do hospitals. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. And this is why women laugh is because men yeah. don't do hospitals, right? Yeah. Well, when you're sixty, you have to keep moving and doing. Yeah. Right? Yes. So speaking of 60... I'm really giving it not. another week. I'm giving it another week. And then okay. We'll see what um, happens. To, part of today's show, one of the topics... I, was, I had a couple of topics I wanted to talk about because I've run into a couple of things this week. Um, the uh, um, AFib people... I don't know why this is coming up, but yeah. I do, but I don't. Um, so atrial fibrillation, mm-hmm. AFib. Um, it's coming up for some reason in my practice this week and talking about it like in other places about people going back to work and feeling stressed and having like panicky feelings, but not having panic attacks or actual panic because they've never had it before. So, but like it made me start thinking about like, Oh, people are starting to have a little bit of rev up in their blood pressure and cardiac issues because now they're coming out of whatever. And not because they're stressed about going back in, in COVID stuff. It's more about, well, they have to actually not have their pajamas on anymore, yeah. and their whole lifestyle's changing from being, you know, the fight or flight is back. And, huh? The fight or flight is back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I thought, well, given that I do integrative medicine, I just thought we would give a few minutes to the the you know things that you can do to not have AFib. Even so, AFib can happen in anybody. Like you know, it can be like twenty year olds, thirty year olds, forty, right? So, and people think of it as like, oh, it's cardiac arrest. It's no. Yeah. So, the A is atrial, which is your heart, right? And mm-hmm. fib, fibrillation, is the increased rhythm and the change in rhythm of your heart. So afib. So if you have um, heart rhythm, arrhythmia, you know, movement around on your to- your timing, it can ha- be caused by a few things. And, of course, being that in psychology, we always go to, is stress causing it? Is something like, you know, environmental changes? Yep. Um, now, there's two types of environmental changes because that's environmental changes being that, you're actually having to leave your house mm-hmm. yeah. as an environmental change right. or that some kind of pathogen or something has come into your environment, you know, and it, you know, something that you've inhaled or something that, you know, so environmental changes under the psych part here is more that stress change of structure or, or lack thereof, you know, right. what I'm finding is people, you know, been home, you can work from home, you get up, you know, I have clients that don't get up until 10 minutes before they're supposed to be at work and, they don't get on Zoom. They don't. They just start working, and so they never get up. They, yeah. you know, they're sort of still in the pajama mode. They don't take showers. They, <laughs> and so all of a sudden, to have to shift as an adult that you've been doing, you know, say 15 years of working, 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 going out, coming home, doing, and now you've gone a year and such with, I get to stay home yep. and, you know, look out my back window and watch the birds and yell at the kids and do whatever. Well, now everyone's like, oh, now I got to get back. So that's going to potentially lead to a little AFib. It can. Mm-hmm. So just having that as a, as a thing in mind that you're not dying, you won't die. Well, you could, but, you know. It's, is AFib variant heartbeat or is it just accelerated It's heartbeat? Well, the fibrillation is usually the increase in, in, in which causes an arrhythmia. So could, would you have AFib and not know it? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. So, and many people do. My impression of it, it was, it was a pretty uh, clear event. Well, I mean, so you can have 
an AFib event. Like you can have, you know, all the way up to, you know, heart attack, sure. obviously. Yeah. So, but you can have AFib and have, so there's people that have like, like little collapsed valves that they don't know of, like, so actual, you know, genetic defects that cause AFib. There's, I mean, there's other things that cause it that you wouldn't necessarily know. Just like, you know, people have died on the basketball court or people have sure. died and then they never even knew they had any kind of issue that was causing their atrial valves to miscommunicate essentially with each other that causes the arrhythmia that shuts the heart down because there's too much pressure on it, which leads to the point of when people go out and say, I'm going to road warrior and I'm going to now exercise <laughs> and I haven't been doing that. Yeah. Um, and then they do the wrong types of exercise or they do too much of it too fast. That can put you into that that disconnect between the two, yep. um, between, you know, your, your valve, your atrial valve and your, you know, your increase or decrease of your rhythm. So your heart rate always has a rhythm, but when you start in, you know, when you have stress, it moves it. When you have certain foods, we'll come back to that, it moves it. When you have environmental stressors that come in, obviously it moves it. When you exercise in a certain way that you haven't been used to or that you have been used to, I was thinking power um, lifters. Mm -hmm. You know, like power lifters, if they're consistent going up, they're less likely, but if all of a sudden they make like a 100-pound jump, that they, you know, it puts a lot of pressure right. on that and it can make it kind of skip. Um, then you have the genetic pieces to it. Um, and, and why do I always bring up these medical conditions related to like psychology? Because, well, if something's going on, it can change the body chemistry and the mental chemistry of how the body's functioning right. together and it can slow you down. It can make you more tired. It can make you less uh, cognizant of making good decisions for yourself if you don't realize how your body's doing. So they always go together. So it's, it's so integrated of how important this is in day-to-day -day life. Now, most people aren't going to have AFib. However, um, you're just more likely to have it if you introduce some of these things into yep. your life, you know, little skips, you know, uh, in the heart. In, right. In B. Um, and, and animals, uh, you know, cats, and <laughs> being that I'm a cat person, cats, cats notoriously yeah. have, like, ar arrhythmias, at least the ones I've ever had. <laughs> there's always like, oh, there's a little arrhythmia. And at first I was always like, oh, that's another $300 just to get Because <laughs> of course they have a $300 arrhythmia. Oh, by the way, I thought of you yesterday. You Aww. might find this interesting. There was a progressive auto ad, mm -hmm. auto insurance ad. Mm -hmm. And apparently now they're lumping in uh, pet insurance. With really? their auto insurance. Yeah, that's that was my reaction exactly. Really? Oh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Some pet and auto insurance together. That's awesome. Pet insurance on the Aussie. And it's like, well, you know, I need a bundle. <laughs> I need a, you need to call flow to call flow you need to call flow yeah well um so I preemptively never get in front of this mm. because everybody always before I get to getting the insurance on any of my cats and I should do this on at least two of them now because they're the only ones available and eligible for it because as soon as I take them in when there's something wrong like the cancer the yep. hyperthyroid well, then they're disqualified. Yeah. And so I really only have two currently that, and the, they're the end of the spectrum, the oldest and the youngest. And the oldest is, she's so expensive to insure because she's older. And the other ones, you know, I'm yeah. like, oh, he's got years. And then, of course, that will come, you know, 10 years from now. I'm like, I should have insured him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so. So in my life, I, yeah. I don't think I've, I've ever had an episode of AFib. Is it possible I have? And, 
could have a little skip here or there. I mean, sure. I mean, it's possible. I mean, you know, it's not that it's happening to everybody, but it's more about like being conscientious of it now. If it runs in your family, so if you it's have heart irregular. It's not just an acceleration of the heart. It's it would be an irregular. Well, it could be an acceleration if, yeah. in the irregularity of the rhythm. Sure, mm -hmm. and it could, and, you know, it's it's more likely to be that. You know, it's more like a you know um you know like going 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 skip going 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 skip yeah. like that. You know, I mean, if you can't see the visual, that was really weird to hear that on the radio but it's all right it worked you know you saw it yep um so it could be the it's just the creation of a rhythm that's arrhythmic mm -hmm. right so yep. because the the heart <coughs> valve the atrial um valve and the um actual um Blood pressure, we should, it's not really blood pressure, but yeah. the way to visualize it, I'm trying to give it without. It's a regulation struggle. It's the regulation and yeah. the conflict between the two to making sure that they're balanced. When they're balanced, they work nice rhythm, and when they don't, and they're not really talking to each other is when they start going, oh, blip, blip, yep. blip, um, or fast blip or whatever. You know, so you think if you're under stress and your heart rate's going up and you're putting a lot of strain on it, you tend to have a little arrhythmia. Now, people, you know, if you feel sometimes people are like, oh, I can hear my hear my heartbeat in my ear, or I can feel it like all over my body because you pulse, pulse, pulse. Yeah. Oftentimes, people will think that's arrhythmia. That's not necessarily arrhythmia, but if you feel that way and you feel that way a lot, you should absolutely go to your primary care because you could be under a lot of stress or something you're eating, which brings me to that. Yeah, that's so, what you know, I wanted to get to, yeah. There's, there's, not all, there's not a lot of different things that necessarily are going to cause it. You know, broccoli is not going to cause it, but... And this is because of preservatives. When you eat Chinese food, Chinese food has a propensity to have preservatives, MSG, other things in it that can make this happen. Mm -hmm. um, higher sodium counts, higher oh. food with processed stuff, like if pizza, dough, things with higher contents of all those preservatives, yeast, yep. they will more likely. And so if you're a person that eats those types of things once or twice a week, you're increasing your risk for AFib, essentially. <laughs> no, by how much, you know, yeah. if you're more genetically prone, by a lot, you know what I mean? Right. I, I, and I'm, but if you're, you know, just a person that's like, oh, I eat on the fly and I have, you know, pizza here and a hamburger there and french fries here and then I have, you know, box, blah, blah, blah at home, you're, you're stacking your deck to be more likely to have that. Not that it will be detected in any generalized way, but it could lead to other things, you know, shortness of breath and... Um, and when you have shortness of breath and you don't realize that you're having that really other than, oh, I'm having trouble breathing, any kind of oxygen deprivation to the brain can make you feel more anxious. It can make you feel yeah. more depressed over time. And if you're not really realizing, even on a little minuscule level that that's, you know, lacking, then it creates a mental health issue. And that's a key triangle, right? Your breathing rate, your mental health and your heart rate yes in other words usually calm down a heart rate by trying to control your breathing exactly yeah and and controlling your but breathing, that's a very tight triangle very because yeah. you can move that's it's one of the coolest experience experiments you can do with yourself because you can move your heart rate up and down with visualization and thought and breath and it's super easy and people are like i can't do that yes you can yeah absolutely you can you just have to know how to do it because you're doing it anyway you're just not thinking about it it's a lot of this with regulatory is you can game the system. Yep. There are a lot of ways to game the system, but again, people don't think they're in control. But, well, but you have you have a you can push and pull levers that are going to 
help or hurt here. Right. Yeah. So one of the great examples, and if people want to go out and Google this today, is Wim Hof is one of the experts on breath control. Have you ever heard of him? I've heard the name, but I, I so can't associate anything with it. Yeah. He's from overseas, and and um, he, I want to say he's from Sweden, but I don't remember, Sweden or Germany, I can't remember now. But he works a lot with um, the Navy and Special Forces, and what he does is, and he does it for other companies too, but that's where he started. Um, but what he's done is he's taught himself how to lower his heart rate and breath rate through breath visualization, but also by being like submerging in cold water and being able to tolerate cold water and like ice water and doing all these like breath control techniques to get it so that you can really control your body to be calm in adrenaline rushing situations and things that would make you have a famine yeah, right. or thing. So, um, you know, from a, from a, much more pragmatic standpoint that doesn't have all the yoga and maybe Pilates and flowery stuff around it. He's a really great um, straight shooter on how to just like kind of get breath control and, and do it. And when everyone goes back into um, full swing of things, I would imagine he'll go back out on tour because he goes out and speaks and talks yeah. and he comes here to Boston a lot. So I highly recommend if you're interested in how to, you don't want all the, the music and the flowers and all those things because some people don't like that and they say, I yeah. can't do that. Well, yes, everybody can. It's, you know. And people roll their eyes at the breath thing, but it's, A, it's probably the first step in dealing with any kind of anxiety. Right. And secondly, it's a very effective first step. Right. Yeah. Well, so now this is an interesting thing. A lot of times I'll get clients that will come to me from other therapists that they've left and, you know, and it didn't work because the only thing that they've been doing for four years is breathing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then what happens is, and, and not saying anything about these other therapists, is what happens when they come to me is when I say, okay, well, the breathing thing is good. Yeah. But before I ever, before I even remotely get to talking to people about doing their breathing techniques or anything like that, that's way far down the line usually of therapy for me because I have to teach people how to capture what they're doing in their head. I have to help them be aware yeah. of the thought generation they're making that's threats that's creating the problem of why they need to have control over right. it. Because if you can't link the necessity for the breath control first, and you just have someone walk in the office after two or three times and say, okay, let's do a breathing technique. That doesn't, it doesn't work as well. Yeah. I mean, for certainly for some people, they, you know, they love and go, you know, they love going and doing just breathing and doing yoga. And that's great because it works for some people beautifully. But in therapeutic settings, it's been my anecdotal evidence that when I get referred people or I get new people that have come from other people and they haven't got any other tech, I always say, what techniques have you used? It's always, it's always breathing. There yeah. might be one or two other ones. And it's like, okay, how's that work? It doesn't, I don't want to do it. Can we not do it? Yeah. Hmm. And so it's, and, and I, but I don't just say, okay, we won't do it. I just say, well, well, let's revisit it because I have a special way of teaching you how to do correct breathing to help you, but we'll put that on the side for now because you have to get into a space where a person can really accept it to say, okay, this isn't one of those, you know, yeah. hippy dippy like flower. It's not a silver bullet no. if you don't address. If the you're issues. not aware of the original mechanism of the stress, right? You may, if you get good at it, you may just control it while you're while you're breathing, but right. then you go right back into the exactly the stress mode. Exactly. So that's it's always awareness first. And people think awareness is mindfulness, which is just being able to think about it right in the moment and then walking away from it. That's not, no. it's awareness is having it in mind and, <clears throat> excuse me, and then really being able to hold on to what it is in your head so that it's always present so that it becomes automatic so you don't have to actively think about it to bring it to the forefront so that the right. techniques then start working. 
but people want the quick fix. And so it doesn't work like that. So, so breathing techniques work beautifully. I have four different types of techniques that I use depending on the person. I'll tweak those around a little bit, but by and large, if anyone wants to know how to do those, well, then you'd have to come see me because it's too long to explain. <laughs> yeah. And it's not free. <laughs> but, but it's one of the main ways you control uh, racing heart. High right. heart rates is right. one of the main first steps is to slow your breathing down. Right. And when because you the heart your, will respond. And so when you slow your breathing down, what yeah. that does in the brain is it, 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 it balances or reconfigures your serotonin, your mood regulator, your GABA, your anxiety, your norepinephrine, your motor, your acetylcholine, your motor, um, your, uh, your glutamate. Your, it starts balancing that because when you're anxious or when you're stressed or when you're upset or you're in fight or flight, that whole system dysregulates throughout the whole body because it's sending messages from the brain right. all the way down into the gut and back up so that the whole body is going into fight, flight, or whatever it is going on. And in order to get that under control, when you take really good deep breaths, and most people don't, by the way. Yeah. Most people take very shallow breaths and lots of rapid ones. Um, when people do that, what it does is it's settling the body from head to toe to come to homeostasis so the person can actually say, okay, this is okay. Because that's how people lose concentration. That's why people become very scattered. That's why people make mistakes is because they haven't been able to slow themselves down. And a lot of times people say, well, slowing down, it means like I have to be less fast. No, slowing down is just like, <laughs> yeah. just a heavy side. That's why people... Like you asked me earlier in the show, have you rebooted the computer? Right. It's basically what you're doing. Exactly. You're rebooting the computer. Right. And when you take a deep breath... Um, People do it all the time anyways. So you've done it before, Lou, because I can tell the difference when you have a stress breath or you have like a frustration yeah. breath or you have a tired or depressed breath. Like I can tell the sure. difference from doing this that it's you're do everyone's doing them all the time. It's just a matter of are you aware of what they sound like and how the difference is. And so all the listeners out there today, you could do a, a little test every time you do those sighs. The, yeah. Right. A, an anxious sigh will sound more like that. And a sigh of like blah and down will be longer and like. Yeah. In this business, you have people who are basically dealing with alter egos a lot. There's mm -hmm. on it, there's live, and then there's all the stuff around it. And I see it every day, all the time. You get to that point where you're just ready to do the show and everything that's led up to it that has been stress. Right. Everyone just goes. They just sit there and they take a breath and then you see, you can see the change in them immediately and people naturally learn that technique in this business because you have to. Why did you see me do that today? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Last week and today, especially, right? Yeah. I was like, you saw that. I, that's what I do. Yeah. So it's a great example though because you, I exactly did that. Right, I said, you said we're going and I was like. Yep. You can watch people transform. Right, because I had to come back into space to be able to, you know, not be where I was out in the parking lot. Yeah. Yes. But I was that's, not in the parking lot. That's one of the benefits of this business that you learn yeah. that you have to turn a page. Yes. You kind of have to switch instantaneously. But once you have that gift, once you understand how that works, you can put it to work. Everywhere. Yeah, it, well, it's, it's so it's it's a great way to learn, and and I and I try to help a lot of my my clients with the transition from like going from work to home, going from kids yeah. to friend, like so that you're not taking all those pieces with you. Like if something was happening at home, and you have to go to work, 
are you bringing that with you because that turns into a really bad day or vice versa? You know, it's notorious for parents to come home. I always see the parents come home and the kids are like, blah, 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 you know, and the thing that was supposed to go at the boss is going at the kids because the kids just happen to be the target, you know, and the kids are like, what do I do? What do I do? You know, and like, (laughs) and it's like, run for the hills, run for the hills because, because people aren't transitioning. So I, and I'm happy to say that anyone can try this technique is, is during the pandemic, I told parents, Instead of, you know, you're in your you're in your main space of your house and your kids are too and you're sharing it, you really need to find a separate little space to do your work so that in Italy or put it in a compartment in your mind where right. you walk from that into like the bathroom, take a minute, take a couple deep breaths, or listen to like two minutes of music, and then that's your trigger for now I'm home. Yeah. And that's so that you're constantly shifting. Now if you've gone back to work and you're at work, the the car ride is always your shift. Yeah. So car ride is always your breath. I love the car rides. Yeah, car ride is your deep breath. It's Mm -hmm. where you decompress and you actively shut off work and then you bring home nothing. Yep. Because by the time you get home, that should be gone. You know, they shouldn't cross over. Or, you know, kids with school. Kids have a bad day at school. They come home and parents and tourists say, how's your day? Oh, you know, like, so I retrain the questions um, how to read because that that actually puts stress on a kid if they've had a bad day. Mm-hmm. You, know, you get kids that have been bullied and stuff, and you ask about it, it actually increases the heart yep. rate. Um, so different ways of asking or getting information or participating in connection to each other in relationships of how to understand the breath yep. of what's going on, you know. But that skill of putting everything aside for a period of time, either turning the page or just a short period of time, like for example, mm-hmm. we're talking here, we do an hour. You know, right. everything that's happened this morning, put it aside for an hour. Right. And right. that's a skill you bring forward. It's exceptionally useful. Yes. You want to sit with your kids or your grandkids for an hour, sit with them for an hour, put everything away. Exactly. Once you learn how to do that, you find yourself doing it more and more right. be- because it's helpful and rewarding. Well, and you're able to then, if something did happen prior or something did happen somewhere else, then you're not just sitting and ruminating in it and ruminating because right. it's like by the time like our hours pass, then the thing that might have been before will have passed. Well, that's the lesson you learn. The lesson you learn is whatever it was that was stressing you. Right. You put it away for an hour, you come back, everybody's still alive. Exactly. You, you exactly. Understand. No one died. I, that's a standard answer to me. How was your day? No one died. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but, still alive. Yeah. I'm still alive and everybody else is too. It's all good. But learning that lesson of not responding to every threat response and understanding that everything's okay on the other side that's yeah. such a huge life lesson. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And 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 people just don't. It should be a skill. I, I often tell this to some of the teachers that I have as clients. I'm like, this should be a skill that's being taught in school. Yeah. But no one teaches that. No. It's, you know, I mean. Someone's going to have to teach teachers. Well, <laughs> and also, now all, all schools have um, a school counselor, school, which is different. Guidance counselors are not the same as school counselors, and school counselors are not the same as school psychologists. And school, 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 <laughs> let me rewind that. School psychologists are not the same as clinical psychologists. So the there's so there's a very different way of going about teaching these things because they're all coming from different theories. So did you know that? No, I'm not sure. So guidance counselors guide vocationally, right? Yeah. That's what they're trained to do. Right. They give advice like that. They're not into mental health. They right. could, they could field something, but they're not really, that's not what they're there for. That's not what they're trained for. A school counselor is sort of like a, a life coach, but 
usually has like a, a master's, sometimes not, you know, and they're there to kind of help make sure the kids stay sane in school. Yep. Then you have the school psychologist, who's usually a master's in education, who's there to provide counsel on on a school-based level of what's going on in school. The child's relationship with their education. Asian, right, yeah. exactly. And then you have clinical psychologists like myself, which yep. is full, you know, doctorate background, doctoral information, all theory on how all systems work together, what's impacting what, how to then do those things. That's not as common in schools. You usually have school psychologists, so there's not the same training to be able to give a lot of this information, right. which also would cost money to schedule in and, and, and teach as a school-wide thing because you don't you, you definitely get it in the special education departments, like the skill training, yeah. but it has you, the, the child, each child has to be on an IEP, which is an individual education plan. They all have to have like these special, you know, 504 plans that are emotional so in order to even access those because they're not giving it school-wide. But it would be such a great skill for all schools to implement as a... Here's my and, and there are schools doing this, by the way. There are schools that actually have like... Um, yeah. Meditation time in the morning and meditation time and they and the teachers teach it with them, they go through it and it's wonderful and they've had great outcome studies and research on how to teach kids how to be better adults at life and functioning because they've taught them how to take themselves out of stressful moments. After a math test everyone gets to meditate, not or whatever it is, or right before. The problem with that is it I'm only an expert to the point where I was married to an educator and I raised two kids uh -huh. through a school system. The problem with that is, and I'm not, this isn't a knock of the school system, but one of the functions of the school system is to apply pressure. One of the mm -hmm. functions of the school system is to create responsibility, to create a task, create a job, create pressure to perform to an acceptable extent. Yes. Well, yeah, I, I would word it differently. Yeah, yes, you, I guess. Yes. You could word it differently. Yes. I understand that. But no. <laughs> Thank you. No. Thanks. Thanks I mean, Lou. I didn't I didn't I didn't word that the way it possibly would have been the best I way to show the school yes. system. But part of the, this is when people talk about homeschooling a lot. I'm yes. thinking, well, part of this, it's not about the education in school. It's less about the education in school than it is the routine and the responsibility and the taking on a task and right. accomplishing it. Right. To a large extent. So they're kind of working against that whole meditation thing. Because when you said that, I'm laughing because I'm picturing myself. Ah, there's a test on meditation on Friday. And it's, like, it's kind of totally counterproductive, isn't it? Well, they wouldn't do a test on meditation. I know, yeah. But, right. they, but to integrate it in, that's what I was saying. The outcome studies on this have been really good. Is that the um, One of the best findings is that the school systems that have done meditation as a standard practice now have higher test scores as an across the board, across english and math and it's it's not because necessarily and they had the correlation i can't quote all the numbers but i know that there was a correlation between the meditation and the actual ability to have the scores go up without further education of the actual material right because the body's in a calmer state which means it can logically think better et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. you know those would be all the implications of why yeah. so what a great thing to have you know i mean there's something to be said to have kindergarten nap time sure you know oh yeah <laughs> we should all have naps and this is why europe has naps and by the way we could stop teaching egyptian civilization every other year in school and maybe teach them a little meditation and skills they could use this would be good balancing a checkbook <laughs> not well, to have to do that anymore but yeah well that would be too much stress you know well yeah. you know well that's a whole other topic <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, 
nobody knows how to read cursive anymore. I write cursive, and you know, people yeah. are like, "What is that?" Oh my god. So, um, but so I just I just think that going back to the AFib piece and understanding is like breath and meditation. And meditation isn't being in in a hypnotic state. It's no. just being sitting in yourself for two minutes and just being present to say, "Oh, oh, it's pretty out here," or "It smells nice," or "Look at the pretty." butterfly yeah. that's all it takes is just to be able to stop yourself and just slow down and be able to calm right and that's all you know and then it can get into more depth if you want to but it's it that actually helps the body regulate so that it doesn't have that um mixed message between the heart and the rhythm and the movement of the body yep. so that's what i had to say today on afib <laughs> Lou's like, oh, God, what's coming next? Yeah. Oh, there's a next? Excellent. Right. Yes, well, well, you can talk more about AFib. But I, I, yeah. I, oh, oh, the only other thing I was going to mention is because we talked about the food, like the Chinese food and all this stuff. Um, and I love Chinese food, so I'm not giving that up, but it's yeah. just being mindful. But um, people often will, doctors have for years said, oh, be careful coffee. Coffee's actually been seen as a little bit of a protector around AFib. Interesting. Because of the caffeine. So, you know, obviously if you have 25 cups of it, that's right. a problem. But... Uh, the more recent, I think 2016, there was a study, and now I'll, my journals jump together. But um, if anyone really wants to know, I have it, and, and I can get it for you. But um, about, like, the moderate amount of coffee and caffeine can actually be a protector, right? Same as, like, you know, one glass of wine or two glasses of wine a day right. can be a protector, not 20. <laughs> yeah. Not 20. Everything so, in moderation. Everything in moderation. So so people often say, well, if you drink and you smoke, well, smoking obviously will cause AFib because it's regulatory for the cardiovascular system, right? So so it's just a matter of like being, you know, read up on it, educate yourselves. You know, if you have a genetic pull for cardiac stuff in your family, make sure you know, even if you have no idea, you don't have to run out now and get tested for it. It's more of like know that if you have stress, if you have processed stuff in your life, foods and stuff like that, if you're a little overweight or a lot overweight, or if you're really underweight, all these things can impact, like just like yeah. everything else I've talked about, your mental health. And then your mental health can impact it as well because the more, more you feel poorly, the more likely you're going to do extra Chinese food, extra yeah. pizza, extra pasta, not exercise, drink more, da 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 da, da. You know the deal. And should you, I'm guessing you should pay more attention as you get older because a lot of people say, well, I never had any problem with any of this stuff. And sure. But as you get older, you have to be more mindful of of all these factors. Well, it's like a car. Yeah. As, you, as the car gets older, you have to maintenance it more because yeah. it starts having little things break down, things disintegrate or things wear. Yeah. Same thing with us. Human beings need to be constantly maintaining, constantly maintaining, constantly maintaining so they don't fall yeah. apart. You know? Yep. So. What's next? Now, now, well, I thought that we would talk about empathy. Oh. You, oh. Yeah. You one like my, that? One of my favorite subjects. I <laughs> figured you'd like this. So in our in our last little bit here, I thought today we would talk about it's empathy. like unearthing a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> and empathy, as we know, is not the same as sympathy. And people practice sympathy a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the first things I correct in practice is often in couples or in family work um, or in people just being out in the world yep. <laughs> as individuals because there's a lot of lacking empathy. Yes. Um, you know, the, the self-involvement of one. So, I mean, we could talk about multiple little pieces that go with empathy like narcissism and <laughs> selfishness and, you know, yeah. or when we're talking lack of. So being sympathetic 
in simple terms, sim let me ask you, do yes. you know yes. the difference? Okay, tell me. Uh, sympathetic is uh, assuming an emotion that another person is assuming. Okay. Empathy is understanding how another person is thinking. Okay, you're close. I'm close, yeah. You're, you're right on that. Okay, yep. so I'm going to just tweak it a little bit. So when you're sympathetic with someone, you're joining them, essentially. You're, yeah. If they're crying, you're crying with them. Right. If, you know, it's the, I, I stubbed my toe, so did I. I know how it feels. And then we're crying together. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, so it's it's really joining them to the point where sometimes you you enable or collude with the issue, mm -hmm. sometimes, like in addiction. Yeah. Right? Um, and then you have empathy, which is the healthy side of this is that I have empathy for you, which means that I can stand at a distance and feel what it's like, what you're feeling without actually joining in. So right. I have an understanding of it from a distance so that I can be a good listener, so that I can offer good suggestions if needed, or I can just be there to be present to validate the experience. Mm -hmm. So um, one is, they're both fine, but you would prefer to have empathy and people lack empathy. People are, sympathy is much more about I, right? Right. So, um, you know, me too. Uh, you know, I, I had a college roommate that would say something about something happening and someone else would say, oh, I did too. And then this one college roommate would say, oh, but I had it worse than all of you. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. like, oh, for God's sake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was always that way. So it's in the, so the sympathy, it, you know, there was no empathy. It was just. I have it too and more, so therefore I can't validate your experience, which we always used to get annoyed at that college roommate because, yep. oh, don't tell them anything because it's going to be they've done it, been there, and it's been twice as bad. Um, so the empathy piece, um, again, training in school would be great. Yes. Because <laughs> some people come very naturally to it. It's very intuitive um, that it's, you know, the knowing the intuition is the knowing of your gut, the knowing of how to do something, knowing how to respond. You can teach empathy, but it's also something that has to be receptive. Right. They have to be receptive to it, and it has to be reinforced in the environment a lot. So when I have people in therapy that are working on empathy, usually it's because they've asked me, I would like to be more empath empathetic because I'm not. Yeah. Or that because my spouse or my friend has said that I'm not very nice or that I don't read it right or whatever. And people with like autistic spectrum disorder, so like Asperger's, right. you have to teach every cue, every step of the way usually for that because it's undetected as a, as a social cue read of how right. to even connect, even sympathy there. Like it's just, you know, one would think that there's a social, a sociological, a sociopathic behavior there. And it's not, it's just that right. it's a social cue issue that doesn't read faces, doesn't read emotion. That's different. But empathy is a really easy skill, but super hard for a lot of people because it takes you out of the eye mode and has to be about others. Right. And so it, it and many people would work towards their empathy so they can interact well with others but mm -hmm. I think the main benefit of having strong empathy uh, strong empathy skill is that you don't take everything personally right if you don't have any empathy you think everything everyone does is an attack on you right because you don't understand their position and why they're doing it right and you and it starts with listening yeah the listening skills are super important because if you're not you people will say oh I heard you you heard me audibly but did you actually hear me? Yeah. Which means, did you listen? Right. Because usually it's, no. I, you know, I heard you, but, it, you know, and you ask someone, could you repeat what I said? So it's one of those unfortunate um, mis 
guided things about psychology is that we often will say, could you repeat what I said? And people are like, what do you think? I'm a kindergartner. There's, we're not trying to be right. condescending. It's a skill that we're actually trying to teach that do you hear what you've been told or do you hear what's in the space? Like a, a child will say to a parent, you know, it hurts my feelings when you pick on me for blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I asked the parent, did you hear what, you know, Joe said to you? And the parent usually doesn't get it right. Right. Sometimes they do. But with the little training, it's just about cueing in on you're not listening. You know, so the, so the child will say, you're not hearing me. Well, oftentimes it's you're not hearing me. And my response to some of the kids in my life is, oh, I'm hearing you. You just don't like my answer because yeah. it's not getting you what you want, which is, you know, but I'm listen I'm definitely hearing it. But oftentimes there's such a disconnect with people saying, are you hearing me? And someone's saying, yep, I heard you. This is the most damaging misconception because yes. when we interact with other people, we assume that what we say is what they hear. Right. And it rarely is. It, right. It, if it's, ever. Right, it's a it, 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 because the other person has filters. They yes. have a, it's coming in through their own perception. It, it's of coming their into life their experience. window, right? Exactly. And so, if their life experience is something that you're not having, which you don't, and they have filtered it through something that sounds like or has transference to you that has some other meaning that's not like the duck in the room that you thought it was, now that has some other kind of take on it, and it can right. go south quickly, or it can get really people get hurt feelings, or yeah, and now. Um, you know, people will often say, well, I didn't intend that to happen. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you intended for that right. to happen. It matters that, did you hear that it hurt someone's feelings? Did you hear that it impacted this person in some way? And, you know, the, you know, the person will say, I didn't realize, so I'm sorry. But then you repeat it again. That means you're not, Yeah. <laughs> that's not empathy. Yeah. Empathy is, is being able to say, I realize it. And I realized it after the first time or two. I have empathy by saying, okay, and I'm acknowledging that, wow, that really hurt you in validating experience and then not doing it again. But that's not what people do. As you know, that's right. not what people, I yeah. mean, many people do. But one of the skills that I, you know, and this comes from, I see this a lot in, because people aren't empathic with themselves or empathetic to themselves, um, like self-forgiveness or being, they're very hard on themselves, so they're hard on others. So they're not able to look inward to say, okay, I have to understand my own feelings and where they're coming from. So, oh, I know my response to that is because I feel this. And it, that's introspection. So that why why give it to yourself if you're, you know, you're not giving right. it re reciprocally, you know? So it's interesting. <laughs> I, I, think find that's, that I think that's a wound we, hear, we have a lot. And it's, right. again, we take what people say as an affront to us. And yes. they're saying something else totally. They're right. not even thinking about us. Right. They're it's just, it's it, becoming, right. It's yeah. becoming, the person hears it as them, not yeah. I'm hurt. Like I'm hurt or I'm sad or I'm angry or whatever it is. And the other person hears it as you did something. Yep. And then they run with it in their head of like, I can't do anything right. I'm bad. No, it's being able. And so I, I, this has come up with like parents and, and working with families in addiction that have older kids and, and how they blame and shame and feel blamed and shamed when in fact it's a miscommunication in the empathy yep. that someone's not validating um, because they feel blamed. So they don't validate the experience, which is the big piece of empathy is to validate right. the experience 
of the other person if you're involved in it. And, and so people miss that. And that's a, across the board in so many different areas, you know. Because people take up defense of the comment right. because they're defending, they think they're defending themselves. Mm -hmm. And then it, the whole thing gets out of hand. Because, right, because it's not talking about the person's yeah. feelings it's talking about. Yeah. It's talking about the blame that they have now placed on themselves that no one was placing in the first place. Right. So, so when you're talking about the basics of empathy is just being able to listen, but listening for listening not listening to hear. And the way I describe that, now I've got something in my eye. Lou, look at, look at, now I see me like I'm... It's okay. Good Lord, falling apart. Um, I, I liken it to um, when I went to acting school many years ago, right? We had, we had the A actors and the B actors, right? Mm -hmm. And if you've ever seen a B movie, which you have, right? Yeah, sure. Right? Love B movies. <laughs> exactly. And they're B for bad. No. Yeah. Sometimes they're so bad, they're so good. Yeah. But so the difference between so a, a good person, a good empathetic person and a not so good empathetic person is the A and B actor. An A actor has empathy. An A actor is listening for what is being said to them. Like Meryl Streep is listening so that her full reaction and response can come even though the lines are over here. She's just listening on any whatever for right. it, right? A B actor will not be listening only for the end word of the line right. of the line they know is supposed to end and then they go and me too because <laughs> there's no they're not responding yeah. emotionally to what the content was that the a actor on the other side was giving them they're responding just for the response because they're listening for the line the actor is listening for the line a actor is listening to the character right yeah they're, and the A actor is listening to the feeling, to the content, to yeah. being present. And then that's one of the ways that I, and you know, depending on the person in my office, I usually find a frame of reference movie or two to yeah. say, yeah. remember this movie? And this is, and, you know, <laughs> if they can relate in this. And then I say, you, we're going to shoot for being more like her or him and how they are in this movie. And that gives context to an A versus B actor empathy versus not and not even sympathy because b acting is not sympathy it's just bad acting yeah it's just i'm waiting for the line to end and that was one of the best skills for my actual psychology practice when i was in new york doing this at, at acting school is i was like oh that is such a good point so i could transfer it over to doing practice i'm like yeah people do not listen for the sake of being present they listen to respond and so when you say, what did I say, people will often say, many people will say it right, but a lot of people will be like, some synopsis that sort of maybe gets it, yeah. and they just don't Because they're listening from behind the filters. They're right. listening from, the, from their own perspective, right. as opposed to trying to get out in a more uh, shared or global perspective. Right, yeah. right. And, so, and, I, and I think that you know, awareness is key figure out today are you an a or a b actor are you more you know because you can be the a actor but all in all it starts with is listening yeah. really listening for what's there so if someone says what did i say you can repeat back and that's one of the best things about you know i see in training psych counselors and psychologists when i'm when i'm working with them we do this over and over i think that most of my students want to just throw me out the window <laughs> at some point because i'll say what did i say and time after time, I'm like, how are you going to sit with someone who just yeah. told you that they're sad and not feeling good and are devastated? And then you rephrase it for them by saying, sounds like you're not feeling very good today with a smile on your face. Yeah. You just missed 
what they said. So if someone's, you know, like, I'm so angry, you don't go, seems like you're upset. No, you, <laughs> you have to, you know, that's not, that's not what they said. That's yeah. not what they caught. And there's a difference between that. That's not having, and the empathy is to show someone that you get it. Showing someone that you understand, but not joining them. Or you could be like some counselors, unfortunately, that I, I get so many great stories from people coming in saying, my counselor was crying with me. Oh, boy. Yeah. Like, now your client feels like they have to take care of you. Because <laughs> now you're crying with them. That's not good. This is a problem for me. I take stuff on too much. Yes. It's like, I don't watch, you know, I have never seen the Joe Theismann injury. I've never seen, I don't watch injury replays. Yeah. I have too much pain yeah. from it. It's too hard for me. And people with emotions, like, I, people do social work. Yeah. You know, that type of thing is like, that would kill me. That would kill me in a matter of months because I have trouble detaching from their emotion well it's like well it's kind of like you know people same with my job things like being a veterinarian like i work with veterinarians uh, you know and, and no way. animals it, that yeah. is <clears throat> i mean it's a hard job i mean i think i have a hard job in terms of some of that stuff but when i work with veterinarians and caretakers of animals it's you got to have a heart of gold and yeah. steel at the same time because I, you know, I have a very good friend that, you know, she got burnt out of doing veterinary practice because of multiple losses and multiple things that she saw. And it finally tapped her out. My very own veterinarian from back before my cat, Kalila, passed away. I think Kalila was the, I always say Kalila was the last straw because it was so emotional because so much investment had gone in to her and many, you know, and it's just, they impact. And it's not just, oh, next one, oh, next one. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand like how they do it. You have that first put down with the family there and the kids and all the emotion of it. I'd be done. That's it. I, right. can't, I can't do this. Right. And so, and people say, oh, you get trained out of that, you know, and, and yeah. people often say like, oh, you, you went to school and got trained out of that. No, you, that's not how it works. You just, you learn how to put it into these spaces and then when you're not in a good space with it you learn how to step back from it and go okay and by the way the on. very fact you are a veterinarian is because you are sympathetic to animals yeah so em you, that's empathetic em empathetic <laughs> okay yes yeah because you're understanding where they're coming from without joining their pain well no but i mean before you oh before yes before you harden that you're, yes. you're being drawn yes. to animals is yes, because your draw is to yeah. because you have you have the sympathy for yes absolutely yeah right and so that's why i mean the suicide suicide rate in veterinarians is very high get out really oh yes oh, i didn't know yeah this. well you know between dentists well dentists used to be the f number one i don't know if it's still number one because veterinary was very high dentist is number one it was for a long time i don't i could Among find out if it's still care, is. healthcare professionals of all healthcare professionals, dentistry, because like, if anyone can see Lou's face, <laughs> yeah. he's just like, what? <laughs> so dentistry, and I will check the numbers next week because I haven't checked those numbers. I often check all my numbers and stats, but I haven't yeah. on that. But that's usually what it is. It's usually dentistry is in, is number one. Veterinary is not far behind. Um, What's the emotional strain of, on a dentist? no one likes them. Oh, okay, I guess. And it's, it's people, customers are angry, upset, nervous. Um, and misbehaved or not happy with yeah. this person because they're afraid. There's so many reasons. Pain and so cost. That, right. So there's yeah. this huge emotional, you know, they have to, like, do the work. They have to be liked. They have all these pieces, and it's, you know, a lot of pressure, and they it's a lot of pressure. Wow. So you've got, so you got dentist is usually number one. You've got veterinary. Top five is usually dentist, number one. Veterinary is usually two or one or two toggling in between. 
And then, um, especially this past year, the pandemic, veterinarians have been like tapped. Really? Tapped. I'll yeah. tell you why in a second. Talk about empathy, right? Um, firefighters, police officers, like the top top five ten, right? Sure. For the stress level. Um, the um, veterinarians this past year and change, right? The fact that people have stayed home with their pets has made them more likely to take care of them from a medical perspective because they're more aware of what's going on with them. Plus, people have gotten more pets this year. Mm -hmm. So they've sought out more care. They sought out more services and so on and so forth. And the fact that animal hospitals have had to come to this very odd way of doing business that no one can come in. Right. You have to stay outside still. They haven't they haven't switched over yet. I do know some places are starting to switch over a little bit, but it's changed that. So the depth of demand has come up due to the pandemic animal purchases. Yeah. And just being present. So their stress level I I watched my veterinarian and and their whole staff often I do something nice, do something for your veterinarian, their staff. I often yeah. will send like little edible arrangements or I'll do something every so often for them because it's a lot of work and uh, people, yeah. you know, people are losing their pets every day, getting new pets. There's something wrong. People are unhappy you know, and yeah. it's high stress. We have a half a dozen, you know, maybe eight, 10 pet deaths in our lives and they're devastating. These people are dealing with them on a daily basis. Yeah. And that's, and right. So you know, that's and yeah. that's what a lot of the work that I do when I work with veterinarians or when I work <coughs> with Big Cat Rescue, which you guys know I do. I work with Big Cat Rescue and, and help with the compassion and grieving fatigue, making sure that people are caring when they're caring for the cats, that you know, we have a lot of elderly cats on property. I work to make sure that, you know, people feel okay, feel safe yeah. emotionally for we we keep having like multiple older cats pass in a row mm -hmm. or something happen that's weird so we lose them um, and then people that are their keepers just like a veterinarian that takes long-term care of their of an animal they have emotional attachments and it's very heartbreaking to you know the the, the cat or the dog or whatever can be 25 years old or 20 years old and then it's do devastating they have, do they have sympathetic deaths two cats living together Older cats, one dies, the other goes soon, that type of thing? So, so that certainly happens. Yep. I mean, so I didn't have a death after Kalila died, but Echo, her sister, mm -hmm. we had about seven months of not so good. She was not, it was, you know, there were other cats in the house, but she was not good. She would sit in the corner where Kalila used to sit, face the wall and howl. Oh, God. Devastating. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Uh. Heartbreak, see? So talk about, you know, but, and then, and then, um, there was, uh, um, like, it, it, you know, my work at the rescue, you know, there's, um, for instance, we had three cougars. They were cougar cubs that had come in as cubs and had been there for 14 years. And within three months of each other, they all passed. Hmm. And so one passed, and then the next one passed. And then my thought was... Yeah. You know, and they all all of a sudden had the same. Th so it's just, you know, whether yep. it was coincidence or not, but in my mind, just knowing them, it was uh, the yeah. loss was yeah. heartbreak over time. You know, so certainly that happens. Certainly that happens. And there's so much good um, intel on the cognitive um, uh, sentientness of 
cats and dogs and how cognizantly emotionally aware they are and how yeah. smart they are and how they feel and that's what they add to our lives and all those things that all you have to do is own one i mean I, I never understood the debate i mean all you have to do is own one right well to, to understand the intelligence yeah, and the emotional one, i still i mean it's yeah. not as common but i still have people be like oh it's just a dog it's just a cat and you know because i see people sometimes on my runs that will leave their dog out all day on a chain mm. and then I cringe you know it's like you shouldn't own a dog you're right exactly why did you do that yeah. um so anyway so all these things wrap around into empathy and so we'll probably revisit this again but i just want to make see, sure that now I'm, I'm in pain you're in pain just, just hearing about this stuff oh, i'm sorry no. so we'll do therapy when we finish <laughs> no but that's part of the that's part of the struggle about, yes about separating you know Imagine my suffer. imagine my life. These are cats and animals and people that I have no right. I have no connection with and yet I'm yeah, you upset feel it. by it. But that means you have empathy. Yeah. Because you 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 have a you listened for the content of what I said and you can imagine what that's like without having to actually experience it. No, well, I am experiencing it. That's I the know. problem. I know. <laughs> well, but you're not yeah. but you're not having a direct experience, right. but you still can feel it. It's kind of right. like when people come in and say that are veterans to me, you know, vets, not veterinarians, veterans from like war or something, especially when I was younger and I looked a little younger, they'd say, "How are you going to help me? You don't know what it's like." And I would say, "You're going to help me. You're going to teach me because the only thing I'm going to understand is that I can only imagine that having a prosthetic because you lost your leg had to hurt yeah i don't i don't need to actually have that happen to me to know that that right. hurt and the fact that i you know almost lost my arm in an accident on a balance beam and had a compound fracture is the closest thing i can get to that experience it's not the same as something being blown up next to me and yep. losing my leg but i know it hurts but what so, you also knew is when they asked you how you're going to help me that wasn't about you. No. It was about their how, experience. Right. How are you going to help were? me understand yeah. it better so I can help you better? Because I mm -hmm. don't know. I always say that. I don't know. Yeah. I only can understand it from the fact that I can imagine it hurts or I can imagine that it's awful to have like that phantom pain or whatever because I can imagine that. I just can't experience it. It's kind of like when people say, oh, I know. No, you don't. You don't know because you haven't had the experience. So I'm very careful not to tell people I know unless I really do know mm -hmm. because yep. I'm listening for the words because it's important. Words are important. You know that. Words are important. Words are important. Words mean things. Words mean things. Yep. I love that. Words mean things. So on One that note. One of my note, favorite sayings. Word, words, words mean things. Words mean things. I yep. like that. Yep. We, we say that all the time. Mm -hmm. So on that note, words. Word to next week. <laughs> Word. Oh, somebody somebody said hi. I can't say it, but. Yep. Just oh, asking, oh, did, asking about the dentist comment. What was the, what was the question? My like? buddy Bruce. Uh, dentists uh, from starting at the mouth, small workplace? No. So you're right. They're just generally not well-liked. Yeah, that's, yeah it's, it's just in general. It's just the feeling out there. And there's so much pressure. If you know the whole thing about going to dentistry school and how long it takes and the amount of pressure it is and the mistakes that can be made and it's the, what the impact on the person's body is compared to, like, surgery of, like... There's a whole litany of stuff that goes into it, and, and generally speaking, dentists just are not liked. <laughs> so I happen to like my dentist. However, I avoid her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do like her, but I avoid her. Not because I don't like her, because every time she sees me, she wants to do something, because she likes to cosmetically fix things. Oh, God. And I'm always like, no. Yeah. But, I, but she's like, yeah, but this, and she's right. I'm like, ah. Uh. Yep. And I'm always happy after she does something, but then I'm like, I don't want you to do anything because I'm always afraid. I had one bad dentist experience. They, yep. they locked my jaw for like a month. Oh, God. 
because they, yeah, that's another story. But anyway. Time to go. I have no empathy for that. Okay. So, everyone, (laughs) thehumanbaton.com. Go sign up so that you get the email, so that you get on board, because in two weeks, we're starting, we're starting, we're starting, and it's going to be so exciting. And, Lou, I'm getting you out there in the parking lot. All right. (laughs) All right. You guys all have a great weekend. Go see all my other podcasts and go to your daily game face and have a fantastic week.